Okay, welcome to today's podcast. This is through the Scottish Farm Advisory Service. My name is Kirsten Williams, and in this podcast, we're going to hear from a successful new entrant. We're going to hear the highs and the lows of her journey into farming. I'd really like to welcome our guest for today, Michelle Stephen, who farms at Michael Till Eve Adney up here in sunny Aberdeenshire. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, thank you. Good. So we're going to have a, a chat today about your route into farming. So first of all, can you tell us a little bit about your farm? Um, so the farm is 86 acres. Um, I bought it in May 2017. So I've been here three years now. Uh, when I took on the farm, it was a mainly arable unit. And there was some cattle on the farm, um, but not not many because they were um, grazed elsewhere. Um, so there was barely any fences on the farm. Uh, so we had to, when we, when we took on the farm, had to change it into a grassland unit and fence the place. Um, so three years on, it's starting to look a bit more like a sheep farm. Um, I've got 490 breeding ewes and I give her about 100 um, ewe lambs each year as replacement for the flock um, so so that's that's kind of you've, the farming you've, system <laughs> you've built up a fairly large enterprise in just three years that must have required quite a lot of capital investment yes so I well, took on the farm in May 2017 and I applied for the um, new entrant um, startup grant and no, Young Farmer Startup Grant, sorry. And that was, then meant I was able to buy sheep, I was able to buy a handling system, and I was able to buy a way crate and um, buy the infrastructure to be able to, to lamb, the, to, to farm. Um, so, so that helped significantly. Um, uh, Fantastic. That must have been a massive um, lifeline to get you going so quickly then. Definitely. Um, it was it was a fantastic opportunity to be able to apply for it and to be successful with it. Um, because, oh, sorry, is it still working? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um so no, it was it was a fantastic opportunity to, to get that. Um and I've just applied for the um capital grant as as well. That was last twenty eighteen I applied for that. So that's meant I've been able to put up a, a shed and do all the groundwork and get water troughs into the into the field as well. because um, the I'm having to use mobile IBCs at the moment for, for all the fields. Um, so to be able to get water in all the fields will save a lot of time as well. I can imagine. I can imagine yeah. that must be a huge amount of time, especially in the summer. Definitely. Having to fill up IBCs the whole time is uh, yeah, it's quite a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> and what made you actually get into farming, Michelle? You got in, you bought the place in May 2017. What was your journey up until that point? Um, so my parents live in quite a rural location. We've got a beef farm one side and a cheap farm the other side. Um, and growing up, um, had a couple of the farmers' orphan lambs and had had reared them. 
also helped lambing on the neighbour um, as well. My grandma, she was a she was from a sheep farm um, up in Fingen, um, just up Deeside. Um, but she didn't farm herself, but she'd always had connections to it. Um, I was at school in 2010 and I failed my hires, not through lack of trying, um, just school and me just didn't didn't work. Um, and I was going to take a gap year and go to Scotland's Rural College in Edinburgh to study rural resource management. But because I'd failed okay. my hires, I didn't have the grades. So it was either, well, either go to night classes and do English and math and get those grades, or I go to Crabston and study a diploma in agriculture. Um, so that's what I decided to do. Um, I'd always been very interested in becoming a land agent. And I thought, well, in a, a year doing agriculture, it'll help becoming a land agent. Um, and I'd always been quite interested in farming as well. So I studied there for a year um, and then moved down to Edinburgh once I'd finished my year in agriculture and it was from from there it was from there really that um, I got into into farming um, and and how how did you go about gaining the skills that you've got now for for running near enough 500 yows um so I went on well a practice um through the through the year of uh, being at Crabston we had opportunities on sheep farms dairy farms and um, beef farms um as, as well and just helping other people um I'd gone and helped at friends and done done lambings with them um I'd been on a I think it was an SAC course um management at lambing time um with Jim Marr an old lecturer um I'd gone out and got a lot of practice and gone on as many courses as I possibly could and I go to quite a lot of the um the women in agriculture events as well um just to get as much practice and experience and knowledge from different types of farms as well excellent and you will you will have found that your farming neighbors have been a massive asset to you as well have you definitely yes I couldn't um, couldn't do it without without them um just having knowledge um and oh you could try this or you what about that um and just last year I had heard about the farm advisory mentoring service as well and thought mm. I'll apply for it um there's no no harm in, in applying for it um and I found out that I'd been successful in receiving a mentor um and I put asked if I could have Neil and Debbie McGowan from Inchoch Farm down in um, Aileth and they agreed to be to be my mentor um, so I had a first visit with Neil just at the beginning of this year and he came on the farm looked at the flock we discussed because I've got an A and a B flock so we were looking to see the traits of the A flock and what I was looking for in the A flock and what didn't meet the requirements went into the B flock um, I'd also just taken on a new bit of ground um, that had been quite rashy and it was quite wet and I wasn't sure what to do with the bit of ground to be able to, to graze it and um, so I had Neil look at the ground and say well I've tried this 
didn't work, but you could try this with this field. Um, so his advice has been tremendous. And um, some of the ideas he put forward were actually putting in place at the moment. So I urge anyone to take up the mentoring opportunity because it's just a fantastic opportunity to have someone come onto the farm and look at your system and say, these are your strengths, these are your weaknesses, this is what I think you could do with the place. Um, so I urge anyone to do it really. <laughs> and and you get four days of one-to-one through the, the mentoring, totally funded through the government as well. So it's it's not, you know, there's no cost to yourself with it, is there? And like, yeah. like you say, you can pick who you want to be your mentor as well. So you can think out, out with the region, you're in Aberdeenshire and there's your mentor down in Ayleth and it, it works really, really well for you, doesn't it? It does. So what we, before COVID-19 happened, what we had decided to do was um, Neil and Debbie were going to come up for a visit to, to the farm here and have a look at the system. Um, I was going to go down and have a look at their system because um, I really like their ideas I like the the sheep they've, they've got pure cleanse and that's what I'm my aim is as well I um I like cleanse as a breed um so I was going to go down there and have a look at their farm and then we were going to go um to visit a farm that benefit that had interests of both of Neil and I um and that would benefit us both and go and have a look at at their system and then the Great. fourth visit will just be a roundup of of the ones that all the visits that we've done and and just have a here's for the future um meeting as well so so no it's a fantastic opportunity and I'm, I could pick up the phone anytime and speak to to Neil or Debbie and I'm sure they'd be happy fantastic. to answer my query <laughs> fantastic and you spoke a bit there about you've got an A flock and a B flock so your A flock I'm taking it as the ones that you're breeding your replacements with Yes, that's right. So my A flock, um, that's that's my ideal sheep. They are the best performing ewes because I, with the with the um, startup grant, I was able to to buy um, a handling system, weigh crate, and a stock recorder as well. So I'm able to performance record everything that happens on the farm. So I. My A flock are, are the best ewes that have the best weaning efficiency and have got no feet problems, are very low cost, very low. I don't have to interfere very much with them. And yes, I breed replacements off them. They, the, the A flock go to the clin top. And then my B flock, um, I've got quite a lot of Shetlands and Shetland Cheviots in there. Um, and, and they... They are a grand sheep because I put them um, to to Suffolk um, top and I breed um, fat lambs from them, which is, well, I sell the lambs as as store lambs, um, but they work grand for, for, for getting fat lambs off them. Excellent. And you're you're embracing this technology, you're you're using your, your weight rate, you're using your EID to your advantage then, aren't you, to, to help your management and to, to always breed a better replacement female? Definitely. Um because I work off farm full time um for Bellingham in Aberdeen, I only have so many hours and so many days at home. Um, so when I need to be working with the sheep, I need to have 
make sure that they are able to thrive on their own and not have much input. So if I can keep views that are not a problem, then that's ideal, really. Excellent. And talking about technology, you use social media quite a lot, don't you, to to explain your your farming journey and to try and make people understand a bit more about farming. Do you want to tell us a bit about your social media followings? <laughs> well, it was a few years ago and I, I thought I'd quite like to just document what we're, what's happening on the farm. Um, so I've got an Instagram page. If you fancy following it, it's at Insta. <laughs> underscore glam with a b so it's instagram um and i post on there what's happening on the farm meals that i'm cooking so i'm very much into scotch lamb and showcasing what you can do with lamb dishes um also do um sheepdog training days on the farm as well um so we take in a trainer and uh, we have a two-day session and we have about 19 folk over the two days and I, I promote that and um, so I've got people inquiring about coming on on those days as well and and the social media I I just love engaging with the public um had quite uh, two years ago I think it was had um a couple of cases of dog worrying amongst some inland ewes and this year because there's an old railway line that runs through the middle of the farm, um, I thought I'll write a sign that is from the sheep perspective um, and say, look, we're in lamb. If you stress this out, we might abort our lambs or we might, if we've had lambs, we might become, they might become mismothered. Um, but follow us on Instagram and you can keep up to date with, with what's happening. And I put these signs up and I've had so many folk from the local area get in touch and say, I've seen your signs. I'm looking forward to seeing the sheep in the field. Um, and I even had someone the other day message me with a photo of a lamb that had escaped from a field. And he said, um, just to let you know, there's one of your lambs is out. Um, it's just the wrong side of the fence. So folk love being able to feel that they're a part of the farm and, and feel that they're helping you as well. So I just love the engagement with, with that as well. That's absolutely brilliant. It's in a way it's educating as well. It's it's letting the public know what's happening at certain times of year as well, isn't it? And it's it's just giving them a bit more knowledge when they're they're out in their walks. And I suppose just now with the COVID nineteen restrictions and lockdown, it's it gives them a, a something extra when they're out for a walk or something for the kids to follow as well. Then doesn't it? Definitely, and because they feel that they're a part of of the journey rather than just being told keep your dog on a lead or don't walk here they feel that they are part of the the story and the journey as well um by seeing it from the sheep's perspective as well so i think that's a beneficial um way of engaging with the public and taking them on that journey with you as well yeah and you you were talking there about the days that you do with the sheepdog training. That's a, a brilliant route of diversification. You're you're using your facilities that you've got to, to bring in extra income, but also helping people with training their dogs as well. Is there a, a, a lot of inquiries come in for that? Like, do your days get sold really quickly or what's the demand there? 
Oh, a huge demand. Um, I had put on two days uh, training course and within eight hours I had, I think it was 18 spaces booked up. It was just wow. phenomenal. Um, I, I realised that there was a, a, a gap in the market because um, I'd been up to um, was it Wick, I think, and for a, for a sheepdog um uh, trial and there was two ladies that were up there uh, one from Rothy Norman and one from Tarvis and we thought why on earth have we travelled all the way from Aberdeenshire up to Wick when we could do something down here um, so so from there it's kind of sparked that idea of right we can get trainers in we've had Jasmine Grant from Bray Hillier Sheepdogs down we've had George Simpson from Forg um I was in touch with Emma Gray down in Northumberland Laura Heinekens and Sergio Perello to to come up um once COVID-19 lockdown restrictions are lifted we'll be getting them up to do training days but the demand is is phenomenal and folk love come in with their dog whether it's old young new experience just to get more practice and more tips um so no folk are folk love it um and and once lockdown restrictions are lifted gonna really push um push the the days um and and had actually had um people inquire about sheepdog demonstrations as well to to come and see the dogs being worked as well so no there's a huge demand for it and folk are folk love love it as well because they come and they get lunch tea and coffee there's facilities here it's a nice day of meeting like-minded people as well and um it's just yeah folk love it and i i really enjoy putting it on as well and how far do people travel to to get to the days um, so we've had someone from Blair Gowrie travel up um, and then we Brilliant. get a book from um, Afford, I think we had, and Keith. So, yeah, quite a quite a sweeping area of the northeast corner um, of folk come into it. But, yeah, we're having we can fit about 19 to 21 folk in in a day. Uh, oh, sorry, over two days um they get a half hour slot each um with with the trainer and then they get teas and coffees and lunch um as well fantastic and as well as the 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 time with the trainer the networking side of it will will be great just hearing from each other how how they go about training their dogs and picking up hints and tips from each other will be a big asset to the days as well i can imagine definitely because what what we've been doing is we've had the the trainer work with with the handler and the dog and then they, they work out in the field and then once they're finished they come back to the to the hut and they'll give a debrief to the whole group and say this dog worked really well here and um, it maybe needs a bit more practice in this area this is what I would advise doing to improve this so everyone's learning from each other and we don't just have border collies there's kelpies huntaways there's plenty of dogs of different abilities come so no everyone is benefiting in lots of ways from it fantastic and how many dogs do you work yourself michelle um so i've just got one um i've just got flossie um she's a kelpie cross collie um she uh, 
as a little star. Well, she is in the good books this morning because I got an early morning phone call saying all my ewes and lambs had escaped from their park, so I had to go and put them in. So oh, no. um, I just, just got the one dog at the moment, but um, looking at taking on a, maybe a, a, an older dog that's got a bit more experience so I can trial with it um, because Flossie is um, just my farm dog. Um, she is a fantastic farm dog but she's not a trialing dog um so we I'm looking to have something that I can I can trial with and has a bit more finesse whereas Flossie's uh, someone uh, someone once described her as imagine going down the Berrydale Braes with no brakes on that's Flossie <laughs> so <laughs> It's, uh, the trialing would be a really exciting thing to do as well. It, I can imagine it would be a, a really addictive type of thing. You would you would want to to do more and travel further with it as well. I can imagine. Definitely, um, definitely. I really, I just love watching dogs working and seeing the relationship that they have with the handler um, and and the way that they can read the sheep and work so nicely. No, I really do in, enjoy that side of things um as well and as as a new entrant what have you actually found is your biggest challenge or what what has been the thing that has kind of stopped you or that you've you've had to try and and get over to to get to the next step um that's a i'm not that's a Quite a tricky question, I suppose. Um, what if I? So you've you've um, like finance and land is often the the, the, yes. the ones that come up very quickly, and I suppose mm -hmm. um, with having the the government startup um, grant, that's that's been a massive aid for you. I, I can imagine it's it's let you invest in those key things that you need, like going from an an arable place with no fences to now a sheep farm like having yeah. having that lifeline of that capital will will have really helped you I can imagine um, definitely <clears throat> and being able to to performance record the sheep and do everything quite effectively with them that way has been um uh, a huge a huge help um as well but I think um just getting that foot on the ladder um and getting that opportunity you've just got to keep working hard and you've just got to keep your ear to the ground and be willing to compromise with people um as well I think that that's something I've probably learned as well also the paperwork side of it it's quite a quite a challenge as well um but we're getting there. Um, I suppose the one stress I think everyone faces is is the dealing with the department, um, the paperwork that comes with that um, as well, and just making sure that every everything for audits are are up to standard as well. So that's that's quite a, a stressful time as well. It's it's quite there is quite a lot of paperwork I suppose between your your quality assurance paperwork you know your medicine records and then your 
cattle or your your sheep records, spray records. It it does. It all adds up, doesn't it? For for never doing any any of the records to to getting onto the farm, and it's it is quite quite a mass amount, and it's it's um, something that you absolutely have to do for for food standards and everything else. But it, it, it's amazing the time it actually takes, isn't it? You know, you think I'll I'll set aside that evening to to do that. But it does it does run away with with time, but it's the type exactly. of thing that once once you get into the way of doing it, it kind of all follows suit, doesn't it? It does, it does. Once you get into the swing of it and get into a routine, it's it's not not so bad. But it's just and having your your te- kind of technology in place here with your EID system using your your data that will make it a lot easier to kind of pull down your records as well I can imagine. Definitely because the first year that I was audited I was just using a spreadsheet and um, it was fine it was it it worked but the the second year when the auditor for uh, farm assurance came out it was so much easier having the stock recorder and having it all linked because I can input my medicines and it tells me when they've come out of withdrawal and it's just it's so much easier and I can if I've got everything in groups then I can say all oh, that those use have been done with that medicine and they've been moved to that holding and it just makes it a lot lot easier for when it comes to auditing time as well yeah. so yeah and what like you're doing so much like you've 490 yows you're giving in 100 um yow lambs you've got the sheepdog side you're working full time like what what is next like you you, you're so motivated and totally inspiring for what you're doing but I can't imagine you you're the type of person who will ever stand still what what is next for the business um, what is next? Next is, well, really pushing the sheepdog training days and sheepdog demonstrations as well. Um, I'm really happy with, um, I'm really happy with the number of sheep that I'm at at the moment. Um, yeah. it's a really nice number. Um, trying to, I'd, I'd quite like to keep a closed flock and just breed replacements because I bought in some gimmers this year not been very impressed with them um the the ones that I've had that I've bred myself tremendous very milky very good mothers just follow their lambs I've been really impressed with them so I'd really like to just keep a closed flock and just kind of build on the numbers that I've got I had wondered about maybe going down pedigree clin flock but I'm not so sure about that anymore um but just yeah pushing the sheepdog training days and the demonstrations I really enjoy that and my target next year all things allowing um is to do an open farm Sunday event and have um people come onto the farm see the sheep see how they're shorn see the life cycle of them and just see the whole side of that um, and one thing I've trialed trialing this year is um, selling wool direct to um, consumers um, I've actually had a lady from um, Alaska 
get in touch to say that she would like three um three um different sheep's wool sent over to to her so i i'm really interested in selling it direct to to people to make blanket um to make rugs out of or to make yarn with so so that's something that i'm looking into next as well fantastic and and with the kind of lockdown there's been so many people into crafting learning new skills so there could could be an even bigger market i suppose for that with with people looking at having the spare time and and doing other stuff too fantastic yeah and finally what would be your biggest bit of advice for a new person entering farming I would say just go out and get as much experience as you can don't be afraid to ask questions like yesterday I was out on a farm and uh, socially distancing of course and um, I was was something that was bothering me and it seemed like a stupid question but I asked it and we then realized that it wasn't a stupid question because there was actually uh, a good explanation for it but to me it sounded like a stupid question but no question is stupid and take any opportunity that you can to go to conferences to events get mentoring just go out there and get as much advice and as help as much help as you can and don't be afraid to ask for help um either so that's what I would say to anyone fantastic go out fantastic. there <laughs> There is, Michelle's spoken about the women in agriculture groups that she's been along to, and those are farm advisory service uh, women in agriculture groups. And um, if, if you go on to its www.fast.scot, and in there you, you see what, what groups are coming up, you see what meetings are coming up. There's also details in there about mentoring as well that Michelle spoke about that she does with Neil and Debbie McGowan and the amazing um response that that's had on her on her business I suppose um, mm -hmm. so thank you very much Michelle it's been great speaking to you today um, and I wish you all the luck in the future with your business and with the farm thank you very much it was lovely to speak to you as well thank you